Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages situations. Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Alright. Turn the wheel! No! Reverse! Left reverse! Right. Slow the out! No, kill it! Kill it! Kill the owner! There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. I said reverse! Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're docked now. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm your host, Keith Smith. We are brought to you as part of the CLNS Media Group. We are super excited to be with you. Second bonus show this week as we are uh, we have the time, so we're going to dive in right now to the Northwest Division. We're not going to cover news and transactions and injuries because we did that on the last episode. Uh, you can listen to that. We're recording this on a Sunday morning, January 27th, so give you kind of a little timestamp for where we're coming from with this, but but uh con pete and myself all had had the time so we're getting into it so pete how are you as we record our second episode of the morning i already know how you're doing but let everybody else know i'm doing great ready to dive into <laughs> you know straight division and just get to it hey con you you still good i'm great. great i i am just amazing <laughs> All right, good stuff. So, so here, here we go. We're going to get right into it, starting with the Denver Nuggets um, in the Northwest Division. This is the ones we're talking about. So, so it's Denver, Oklahoma City Thunder, Portland Trailblazers, Utah Jazz, Minnesota Timberwolves. So, just a thought off the top, actually, before we get into the Nuggets, I said at the close of the last show, but I believe this: this is the best division in basketball. There's not a bad team. In this division, maybe Minnesota, you could make the case, but they're kind of hanging right around 500. They, they've got four teams in the playoffs and likely looks like that'll probably be how this finishes. So, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for this one. I think this is uh, in a lot of ways, too, I think somewhat of an undercovered division because, you know, I think some of these teams are they're they're kind of those mid-market teams and not, you know, really, really you know, spend a lot of time on them. So so let's start with Denver, 33 and 15, second best team in the Western Conference as the, the Warriors have turned into a full on juggernaut. The Nuggets have kind of Slip behind them a little bit, game and a half out there. They're seven and three in their last ten. They've won their last two. The last one without Nikola Jokic, who was uh, suspended for one game. But I think what's really impressive with Denver is they're twenty-two and four at home, taking advantage of one of, if not the NBA's best home court advantage. They're they're tied with the Milwaukee Bucks for the best home record, eleven and eleven on the road. So that's something to. You know, keep keep an eye on. I think they really, you know, it's important to them that they finish with home court advantage in, in the season. And they've got a three game lead on the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, for you know that second spot in the West. So, Con, what are their their numbers tell us? Um, you know, uh, you know the advanced way there. I think you know got to be pretty good, right? Yeah, they're plus five point five uh, net differential at 
sixth in the league right now, uh, third in offense at 114.5 points per possession. And these are points per 100 possession, by the way. Um, and then 13th in defense. And the defense, every time I check the Nuggets' uh, kind of standings and their stats, the defense seems to be one or two spots lower. Um, so it's probably due to a lot of the injuries as well. Um, they just give up a lot more points than they used to, especially after their hot defensive start to the season. Uh, but they're doing fine overall. Yeah, you know, de- defensively, they um they they were really good at the beginning. It looks like they, you know, may- maybe have taken a little bit of a step back. I think you had a couple guys kind of playing over their head defensively, but then you know, it looks like they're they'd taken a step back. Now maybe starting to come back back around with it. So so Pete, I want to go to you. I just said they're three games up on OKC, game and a half behind Golden State. I'm gonna say they can't challenge the Warriors, but mm-hmm. I think they are gonna finish in second in the West. Where are you at with the Nuggets? Where do you see them you know, closing out the season? They're either going to be second or third. It just depends on how much of a run. I, I think Houston's really kind of gelling, so I think they could slide all the way up. And I don't I don't know with OKC, like, um, you know, how they're going to fare based on what – we'll talk about them coming up with Westbrook yeah. and his shot selection. But <laughs> I, I, I like Denver because even though the injuries have hit, you still got guys – you know, Isaiah Thomas, once he comes back, and if he can show anything like he did in, in Boston, I mean, that's going to be a positive. Of course, the, the negative is it takes away from the fantastic season that Monte Morris has had um, because I think that will push him down in the rotation. But it, it's funny to me because as, as much as, you know, people question a little bit at the beginning of the season of, like, what's going to happen with Juancho Hernan Gomez? Who's Tory Craig? Like, there's a bunch of different you know, kind of questions there. I think we found out quickly that guys like Trey Lyles, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Torrey Craig, Monte Morris, all those guys could slide in and they can play. Yeah. And I think that's really been the difference this season. Um, just the versatility of their depth and, you know, because of the injuries. And then you still got guys like Malik Beasley, um, you know, there he's played in 48 games and he shot the ball extremely well from the three point line. And yeah. I think that that was, you know, kind of last season, he kind of had to hold off because of of guys ahead of him. But just looking forward, just where they are now and then the potential with some of those young guys, I really, really am high on Denver. And I think it's going to be a team that you have to look out for for the next couple of years. Yeah, I'm really high on them, too. And I think that they're going to be right in the mix here in the uh, Western Conference. So one thing. I think matchups are really going to be important for them mm-hmm. when they get into the playoffs that they've got to play, play the right kind of teams. If they, you know, if they get like a Utah who can really slow it down and kind of like kind of ugly it up in the playoffs. I could see that being, being a struggle for the nuggets. I think, you know, obviously they, they, they don't want to see Houston any earlier than they have to just because Houston's been there before and they're really talented, but, but I, I love it. I, I think they, they are a, um, arguably maybe the deepest team in the NBA. And I think they have a lot of good functional depth too. It's not a bunch of guys at the same positions Their their depth is really pretty spread out. And then you mentioned, you know, Isaiah Thomas hasn't even played this year. We'll see, you know, what he brings. I, you know, it's, it, you, you know, I love it, right. but it's, I don't know how much they're going to even get out of him or how much of a chance he's even going to give them because Morris has been that good. He's you know really been one of the more improved players. And then, 
nothing at all. And we're not going to see him likely this entire year, but Michael Porter Jr., who, you know, all reports have been, he looks really good as he's you know rehabbing and getting his, his back right and getting ready. And that's, you know, not going to impact this season, but that's really big to have him next year. I, I think that's why maybe we could see a guy like Trey Lyles walk because they've got Porter who can, you know, ostensibly replace what Lyles gives them um, in, in the, in the off season. But, but con you, you guys on the bench mob show, you do a lot of, you know, mock trades and things like that is, is there a lot coming up with Denver or is it one of these things where they kind of like what they got and let's just move this thing forward with the players that they have. Well, Denver comes up a lot in terms of other teams asking for players sure. uh, from the Nuggets, <laughs> I can imagine. Yep. but the, they generally don't um, want like, we don't really want to get rid of any of the players. And Denver, I, I might have mentioned this in past episodes, but Denver is my this year's adopted team um, <laughs> since I'm a Bulls fan and I need to adopt a team every year. <laughs> oh, you picked a good one. And it's because the beginning of last year, Tory Craig and Monte Morris were on two-way contracts. So doing my like team previews, I was looking at all the two-way guys and like doing some scouting on them. And I really like both these players, and I thought they could both be like NBA players last season Tory Craig kind of got the call up um towards the end of the last season but Monte Morris stayed and now Monte Morris is blowing up so I kind of like to you know toot my horn a little bit about those two guys plus the fact that Malik Beasley is a guy I really like all these lower end guys are playing super well and Jokic is an amazing player Jamal Murray um is top five favorite player for me too so like the Nuggets everything about the Nuggets I love and the way they play is awesome like the yesterday I was watching a little bit um of Nuggets uh, Sixers and Jokic had a rebound and was about to toss this pass to uh, I forgot who was leaking out but there was like two guys running the break and he like held his arm out to pass the ball and like hesitated for a slight second while the defender moved to the second guy and then pass it full court to the guy like the way that he times his passes and he waits them and uh, it's just amazing to watch really um, and yeah, I could go on about the Nuggets for a long time. <laughs> yeah, man, Jokic is, if you don't like watching Nikola Jokic play, just then you're not, just shut it off and go away. Because <laughs> this guy, he's just, you know, he's one of the more fun guys. And and I'm glad you mentioned, you know, Craig and Morris and Pete, you mentioned them too. The the thing that's important for this team too, when you're looking at roster building, right, they've gotten, they've gotten expensive because Jokic is, uh, you know, now he's locked into just shy of a max deal. And then you've got Gary Harris is on his extension and Will Barton got a, you know, good size contract. And then you've still got Plumlee with a year left, Millsap. But then balancing that out, you have to get cheap young talent. And that's what mm-hmm. they've got in Morris and Craig. Morris is a minimum salary guy who is way out playing that. And they've got him locked in at a minimum salary for next year. Craig's locked in next year, 2.1 million. And then both of them, they've got restricted rights on, you know, after that, if that's the direction they want to go or, you know, wherever you want to live. Well, I guess Morris has a non-guaranteed year in his last year with, with the Nuggets, but it's, it's all these, you know, kind of young guys that are there and it's, and even right. They, they missed with the Tyler Lydon pick that, that just yeah. obviously did not work out, but it doesn't really matter because when you've done so good everywhere else, that's fine. And again, to go back to, you've got Michael Porter jr. Just kind of sitting there, Jared Vanderbilt too. People went a little insane on Twitter about, you know, his three minutes at the end of garbage time. Like let's settle down. Like let's, you know, it's cool that he's back and he's healthy and he's, right. he's on the floor. That's a lot of fun, but you know, let's not go, go too nuts. But, but that, that's the big thing is they've got all these expensive contracts and I've got it 
balanced with all these really good young guys. You know, it's it's just yeah, they're they're just one of these teams who I think is just so much fun to watch. They they all really complement each other. They can get away with playing Jokic and Plumley together because because they have picked up the defensive intensity in, in the past. That was always a problem because it didn't really fit. So you know, I, I don't think this team's going away. I just like I said, it's real matchups are really going to be important for them as we get in get into the to the playoffs and see where it looks and we'll we'll have to see the ultimate where it all falls out. So you guys get anything else on the nuggets or you want to move on? I'm good. I'm good. All right, let's move on. Oklahoma City Thunder. They are sitting in third in the Western Conference, 30 and 18. They are three games behind Denver for the second seed. And then it gets really jumbled. They are, despite being in third, they're only three and a half up on the Clippers who are in eighth. So the West is, you know, it's a bloodbath as per usual. Thunder had gone on a little bit of a slide, but have reversed it as of recently. They they have won four straight now, five and five in their last 10. In con, they're one of the best defensive teams in the entire NBA, right? Yeah, their defense is smothering um, second right now in the league uh, at de- in defensive rating 104.6. Um, I think Boston's number one. I need to I check so. that. Yeah, yeah and then uh, their offense is average at 16th in the league at 110.0 points per possession. And then net differential, they're right behind the Nuggets actually at seventh in the league at plus 5.3. Yeah, and you know, I think think part of the reason the offense is is average is you know, P. You kind of mentioned it about Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. He's not the. I'm trying to be nice. There's no really nice way to put it. He is turning in an inefficient season, like like we yeah, haven't seen before. Yeah, he's just his shot is just. I mean, it looks like it's completely broken him. The fact that they changed the free throw rules where he can't you know walk out to half court anymore that seems like that is you know just thrown off his rhythm at the line completely. So I you know I think. I don't want to go as far as saying, you know, Russ is holding him back, but I think it's just Russell Westbrook is who he is at this point. You take the good with the bad, and I think it does limit them. They're they're probably going to be a league average offense unless all of a sudden he gets really hot and starts knocking in a lot of shots. Yeah, the free throw is like, what, 60, was it 64, 65% from the free throw line? Like, it's not good. And then just barely, you know, like 41% from the field. The thing about it is I think now – Billy Donovan's kind of made the rotation changes. I, I having both George and Westbrook kind of trying to get one of them on the floor. I think that's going to help balance them better. But I think basically you have to look at Paul George as a as a leader of the team right now. Um, but the I guess the the fans of Russell Westbrook that listen to this show are probably going to kill me because he is basically on pace to get a triple double again this season. So it's not like he's having a a disastrous season or anything. I just think for what the Thunder need, he's not giving it to them production wise. I think that singular type play of of let's isolation, I think that's kind of fading away because teams are picking up on that obviously more. So you've got to be able to spread the ball around. But then you look at the Thunder across the board, they don't really have lights out three point shooters. So yeah not playing a Brinus, which he dressed, obviously coming back from injury, he dressed, he didn't play. Um, you know, Ferguson's not really a shooter. Diallo's not really a shooter. Ferguson's so it's, coming around a little bit though. Uh, yeah, I'll give them that. He's bit. got the potential there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you've got to look at it. I think they need another really good perimeter shooter on the wing. You touched on it previously um, on Twitter and I think, I think you 
did you do it in an article where they were looking at a big another big um as well yeah it's they're definitely they've been very very active now that was in part when nerland's noel was out right um, he you know caught that scary concussion but it's it's mostly because patrick patterson just says he looks like he's done yeah he just isn't giving him really anything productive you know he's not his defense is is okay still but it they the OKC defends at such a high level as Con mentioned with the stats and you know, but his shot looks like it's kind of gone there. Um, what what they they are looking for a big one thing I will say, um, and I I truly believe this, if Westbrook would defer more to Paul George, I think Paul George would be a legitimate MB, MVP candidate. Yeah, I think I he's been that. that good this year. He's been he he should be you know very high up on people's list for defensive player of the year. That's how good he's been on that end of the floor. But offensively, he, the only thing holding him back is he just doesn't see the ball enough. And especially in late game situations, I want, you know, I want that Paul, Paul George's hands. Problem is if Westbrook doesn't have the ball in a late game situation, he's kind of useless because he doesn't, doesn't make a lot of plays off the ball. He's not a good shooter, you know, this year. So it really starts to become a, you know, kind of a struggle, you know, with them. And it's, it's just tough, but, but Con, I want to flip over to you. Is there, you know, anything there trade trade wise? Well, what's I know again to, to mention you guys on, on the bench mob show, you guys spend a lot of time talking trades, but they just don't have a lot to send out the other way. Keith, I'm going to start preparing trades for every team that we talk about <laughs> from now on. Yeah, probably. <laughs> no, it's all yeah. good. I, li- I like, I like uh, you the spot, stuff on the spot. It's all good. Um, you know, Andre Roberson is the only guy, but that's yeah. just super, super tough. Uh, if they want to get rid of their first-round pick, um, Patterson and Abrina. Well, maybe not Abrina's, but Patterson and a first-round pick for maybe – like a backup type player because Patterson hasn't really been playing too well. Um, and then I don't know, like what do playing this well kind of keeps teams limited in what they want to do because they don't want to mess things up. So I think that they need to find someone with the same mold, like the same player archetype that they go for. And that's athletic long. Um, and that's why maybe Abrinas is a guy that they might want to move on from. They just need a shooter back for that just because he doesn't really fit in that player mold. Right. Um, so those are the types of moves that I would be looking for, but I am going to scroll through my cap sheets and try to find a player for you too. You know, who, <laughs> <laughs> you know who I kind of like for them and this is not that no one get, you know, super excited because this isn't the most exciting, but why not take a flyer on a guy like Frank Kaminsky for the rest of the year? I think, you know, you've got enough defensively to offset his not great defense. And, you know, and I think, you know, Kaminsky can still do some things despite the fact he's been completely buried in Charlotte. And you could, you know, throw them, you know, Timothy Luawu Cabarro, who's not part of anything you're doing in OKC. And you'll take that flyer. Now that that means Charlotte has to be reasonable and not think, hey, he's how we're we're gonna add him to get off, you know, these terrible contracts we have, which is just, you know, flawed and stupid thinking. Um, because that's Kaminsky's not worth that. But you know, they could be a team, maybe maybe Thon Maker makes a little bit of sense for them. You know, I, I could see yeah, there you, you go. know, going on a guy, guy like him, I think, you know, it's, but, but those are, you know, none of these things are anything that should get you jumping up and down if you're a yeah. Thunder fan, because it's just not there. And, and as far as shooters go, they're a team that they probably should have made the move for Kyle Korver. I think he would have yeah. been 
massive for them. Um, Justin they, Holiday. Could yeah, have Justin Holiday. Well, I mean, I guess they could still go do that because he, but you know, he's Holiday. His shooting's been so bad since he's been in uh, Memphis. Yeah. But yeah. but you know, but he's not that guy. You know, I know it gets mentioned a lot, Courtney Lee, but that's that's expensive. I just don't know how they get there, you know, money wise to match for a guy like Courtney Lee. It's yeah, it, it is really really rough, and I think it's. All this adds up to me to their upside is really limited. You know, they they, they can defend, and that's that's going to keep you in everything, and that's going to you know make it really good for them you know in the playoffs. But I just as I as I look around, I'm like I don't know. I and I start looking around the standings. I'm like I I like Denver better. I like Houston better. Obviously Golden State I like better. But I even like I like the Spurs and the Jazz better. I I would you know I think the Lakers would beat them if they get in and LeBron's healthy. I just wow. you know I just uh, it, it's really just, low on them, huh? I I just am because I just I think their offense is going to limit them so much in the playoffs. I think yeah. teams are going to dial in on Paul George, and then you're going to let Russ kind of. Yo, if now if Russ goes superhuman in his hitting stuff, well then it's it's over, right? Because he's you know when he does that, he's you know he's as good as James Harden is. But if he's not hitting shots, what what do you have? You, you just don't have enough else. There's nobody else who who can create the way you know that 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 uh, Russ and PG can. And Russ is he's just been so bad this season efficiency wise that I I really you know I worry about them you know you know getting there. I just yeah, I, I, I had... just don't see it. I had them down like sixth or seventh in the standings just because of that. Cause I thought, okay, as the season moves on, teams are going to focus on Paul George and you'll take the, you know, you'll take the, the bad shots, the pull-ups late, you know, from three from Russell Westbrook to try to bail them out of games. You'll take your chances with that. Um, you know, and I just don't, I don't feel like, the moves that they've made, even though Schroeder has been, been really good. I just, I feel like they're one or two moves away from really slotting into a real third seed in the Western conference. Yeah. And I just don't know if it's coming because they are already, I mean, they're comically above the, the tax line. They're 22 million over it. Now they're already 22 million over it next season before anything even happens. So it's just, yeah, I don't, uh, I feel like they locked into this group, you know, a little early. And obviously a lot of that comes back on Carmelo didn't work out for them. You know, it, it just didn't go their way. Robertson's been hurt, but it, you know, it really is starts to be one of those things of, all right, how much further can this group go and how much further are you going to invest in these guys? Because it really is, it's a problem right now. It just, you know, they're just not, and it sounds so weird to say that about a team that's, you know, third, third in the West and is 30 and 18. I just, I don't know. I just I just don't feel it. Like, you know, going forward, I just don't see see the upside as I do with some of the other clubs. So, all right, let, let's let's keep keep it going here in the Northwest. Let's go with the team right directly behind them, both in the division and the conference. Portland Trailblazers. They are thirty-one and twenty. They won last night against the Atlanta Hawks. Again, we're recording this Sunday morning, on January twenty-seventh. They've won won a couple in a row. They're seven and three in their last ten. They are again one of these teams that's really really good at home. Twenty-one and seven at home. So I think getting home court advantage really important for them. But here's the challenge: they're five games behind the Warriors at the top of the, the conference. They are in fourth place right now in the conference, but they're only a game and a half up on the Rockets. 
all the way down to the Clippers in eighth. They're only three games ahead. So, you know, there's a lot of room to move there. A lot of teams that can move, you know, way up and down in these standings. And I think Portland, they've, they've got to have home court. And it didn't even work out for them last year as New Orleans came in and blitzed them and, you know, knocked them out. But, but Con, with, with the Blazers, they're, 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 I'm going to put you on the spot again. So hopefully you were ready uh, and already started looking at trades. But it's, uh, it, they're they're getting kind of a roster that's you know kind of interesting because they're they're you know right right around the tax well they're over the tax right now but right around it for next year and you're you know you've got the two big you know uh, almost max deals there for Lillard and McCollum and then you've got Evan Turner on the books for big money and then a bunch of these kind of mid range deals for Nurkic and Harkless and Myers Leonard that one still confuses me and I don't understand it um but you know but then you've got one of their key guys been a starter for you know a few years now Alfred Camino he's a expiring contract there and you know Seth Curry's there playing a big role in the backcourt is it do you see is there anything that jumps out for you them for a move to improve for the rest of this year and going into next year or do you think they're another one of these teams that just, they just got to kind of ride it out as we go well first do you want me to read the stats oh yeah sorry yeah definitely do that so <laughs> you're good um <laughs> plus 3.1 net differential at, uh 10th in the league right now eighth in the league at offense um 113.0 and then 15th at defense uh, 109.9 and i mean they got see the thing is they they put players like jake layman and seth curry and nick stauskas around uh lillard and cj and nurkic now who's been having an amazing season yeah, Nurkic's um in shooting shooting wise but like with their contracts of like myers leonard and evan turner this year is more tough so for me with portland the ideal thing is okay the warriors are still the warriors uh they're they might not be next year with durant possibly leaving and then next year also myers leonard and evan turner's contracts become expiring mm -hmm. so instead of trying to move these bad deals and trying to and having to attach assets uh, to get off of them or just get something that's like doesn't really move the needle because it's also a bad contract and and such and such i would wait till next year um because just be realistic with yourself and say okay like we're probably not going to be competing with the warriors we're going to give it our all not saying we can't beat them but like i don't think it's smart for them to move pieces and get off assets um to you know lose this year again when next year you can actually be a solid contender in the West because you're top three in the West every year almost. But the move that I would try to make is then go for expirings, uh, trade those expirings for pieces that could be helpful. And then also try to see if you can get a better fit next to Dame uh, and move CJ. I know this has been like a topic for a long time and saying, oh, you shouldn't split them up. I just don't see um, them both leading a team to championship levels uh, i think you do need a wing um who that wing is is tough i mean maybe i don't know maybe try to get expiring deals and then sign a guy um tobias harris would be an awesome fit here i think uh, i don't know if tobias harris for cj is like a great move for them because i think cj might be better but it's just like that's the type of direction i would go yeah, but what I always look at with CJ is if you're going to move off him, then I think what you look to do is you, 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 maybe you're looking to turn his 27.5 million next year into maybe two guys. 
two, you know, fifteen million dollar guys, you know, could could make a lot of sense for for these guys flush out their depth a little bit more and you know help build them up. I think think or you know you could look at moving somebody like Leonard or Mo Harkless who are expiring contracts yeah, next be. year. It may maybe you flip one of them for a guy like T.J. Warren. Yo, maybe could could help where it's similar money, but he's got a couple more years left. Yo, down the line, it's not. Yo, that that's kind of. Yo, you're you're just maybe you're helping to extend your window a little bit there, and you're hoping. You know, maybe we can catch a little bit of this guy's upside. They're always, always, always going to be mentioned as. Yo, what about Kevin Love? I, that's the last thing I would do. That doesn't make any sense to me. You don't need another guy who makes, you know, 20 million. And a lot of people say, well, you, you could do it and keep CJ and Dame. Well, then now you've got Dame, CJ and Kevin Love combined for, you know, 70 plus million dollars. Like that's not who that's not good roster building. Yeah. You know, that's that's not going to make a lot of sense. So. So, yeah, as I look at it, um, Pete, I wanted to kind of kind of because I know you'll you'll keep an eye on you know the rotations and the death chart and things like right. that are um Zach Collins and Myers Leonard both have been mainstays they're in the rotation they both mm-hmm. both always play is it hitting a point though where it I, so I'll, let me give my opinion then you tell me if you agree or disagree okay I would give those minutes all to Zach Collins I, I agree. I I'm going to go ahead and you don't even have to explain. Yeah, I, perfect. So, yeah, so go, go ahead and then give your thoughts on it. Cause I think I just, you know. I feel like we already know what Myers Leonard is. Mm-hmm. So why are you going to waste more development time? I, I, I love that he works year after year with Drew Hanlon during the off season. I, I love that, but we've seen no, you know, increase of post-up game. No, you know, rebounding defensive versatility from, from Myers Leonard. Yes. He can spot up and hit threes, but I mean, I feel like you get all of the the upside of, of Collins being able to get a rebound, being able to, you know, get, you know, a pass in transition out, um, being able to play a little bit of defense and then give you that offense. So I would, if it was me, I would, if you're going to give minutes to Myers Leonard, why not flip those? I know uh, Caleb Swanigan's undersized, but why not try to get some some minutes to him, you know, spot minutes here and there than, you know, kind of wasting it on Myers Leonard. I know they gave that big contract, but I just, I feel like I already know what he is. So it's like, we're just repeating the same thing. Yeah. And I think I would go a slightly different direction just because I don't know what Swanigan's really ever going to be. Um, I just, he, he doesn't, he doesn't have enough bounce, I think, to really play, play the big man spot. But what I would do, especially for the rest of this year is I would give those minutes to Jake Lehman. Yeah, yeah. Let, let layman play. You know, I think he can more than hold his own at the four. And I think you'd be fine with, you know, Collins and Layman kind of being your backup bigs behind Nurkic and Aminu. And that, you know, should should be fine. I just I don't I don't think we're gonna. I think uh Terry Stotts has a comfort level with Myers Leonard of you know, at least now he's not he's not a negative when he's on the floor, whereas that's kind of how he used to be. But yeah, this is again, I, I don't want to be well, you know Joe, go ahead, Pete. I, I was just going to just say really quick with Layman as a starter, they're 15 and 10. And when he comes off the bench, you know, they're basically eight and six in the games that he's that he's played. Obviously, that leaves a lot of games that he didn't play in. But yeah. in the games that he played, that's the record. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, they're, they're basically a little better than 500 either way. Right. So I think, I think, yeah, I don't think he's hurting you. 
to right. to play Jake Lehman. I think, you know, and and he's a pretty good shooter. I think he can do do some. So he's not the guy. You know, what was it a couple of years ago? He you know hit basically everything he took. First, <laughs> yeah, that was you know month and you know everybody's like, whoa, this guy's the best shooter you know in the history of the game. Um, I just I go back to it's kind of funny, right? I called this the best division in basketball, and then I crapped all over OKC, and I'm about to crap all over Portland, but I just don't see it. You know, I don't. I'm not, you know, super excited. I, part of that's the, the hangover from last year's playoffs where New Orleans went in and just destroyed them. But I could very easily see them finishing, you know, third or fourth and in come Houston, San Antonio, Utah, or the Lakers, and the Blazers are out, you know, in four, five, six games and, you know, their season's over again. Despite having home court advantage, I just don't, I, I just think those teams are all better. You know, even though they're behind him in the standings right now, I think there's reasons for all of that. In Portland, yeah, they've missed some guys have missed games, but they've been pretty healthy this year. It's been mostly Harkless, who's been in and out of the lineup. Dame missed last night, but it seems like that's just more of a, you know, hey, let's give them a night off kind of thing. They've been pretty healthy this year. And I think, you know, the fact that they haven't been able to create that separation, like as you look at Denver, right? Denver created that separation and has maintained it. Portland just hasn't gotten there. So I'm a little bit worried about that, you know, as we uh, move this thing forward with them. We'll see ultimately where they land out. All right, now, team in the division I'm not going to crap all over because I'm really excited about where they're going, and they are just you know playing great basketball right now. The Utah Jazz, they are 28-22. and 22. Right now they're seventh in the West, but they are only three games behind the Thunder for third. They, they're they also only three and a half ahead of the Timberwolves for, for what is that, uh, 11th. So that's, you know, you know, you want to keep that in mind. But they've won a couple games in a row. They're eight and two in their last ten. They are really starting to turn up. Their defense has really started to lock in. I think their offense is starting to get better. Is that what the numbers tell us, Con? Yeah, the numbers tell us that the Jazz, as I stall while I speak, uh, <laughs> eighth in that differential, four point six uh, points per possession difference. There, uh, offense is at twentieth at one hundred eight point six, and defense is number one. So they're the number one defense. Okay. Uh, and it does make sense and it's really i mean strength of schedule is a big deal and them having the hardest schedule uh up till now or up till like last week or two weeks ago whenever that was um kind of had them start out in a way where everyone's like oh well this isn't the second best team in the conference like we thought well maybe it is and last (laughs) year remember how they came back in the second half of the season and became what they became and donovan mitchell is actually a good player and not gonna be print like just uh in the sophomore slump for the entire season and everything's just starting to turn around just like everything going bad was a surprise now it's coming back. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think we're we're in, I want to say this is the third or fourth year in a row. This has kind of been the Jazz's mo um, under Quinn Snyder's. They tend to start out a little slow. I think part of that is they're so regimented system wise. They get more system baskets than I think any team in the league does. And I think that takes just a little while to get fully clicked in and going. And that's I know people will say, but they've got all the same guys back. But those guys didn't. It's not like they you know, ended their season in April and May and then all, you know, hung around together for the next four months till the start of training camp. You know, it does take a little while to get that back in there and flowing, but now you're starting to see that and they're really, you know, starting to, you know, take off. And obviously the great defense there, right there, did you say they were 20th in offense? 
They yeah, are, yes. They, they were. Yeah, and I want to say they were down in the you know low 20s for a long time um, at the beginning of the season. So then you're spot on with the strength of schedule stuff. I kind of liked what we got to see out of Donovan Mitchell at point guard when yeah. um, when every other point guard option on the roster was injured. Um, now Ricky Rubio is back. Um, Raul Neto is still out, as is um, uh, who's the other guy I'm thinking about. Um, no, that's it. There was there was a, oh Dante Exum um, yeah. is is still injured as well so they're um you know so Mitchell I, th- I thought he kind of did almost like a little mini James Harden kind of approach <laughs> there at the point yeah. guard and you know did did his thing and you know kind of kept kept them in some games so I you know this this is a roster that I look at and I just look at this roster and I say it just makes sense you know all the pieces really fit their their role players know their roles I think they're short of big which might maybe sounds a little weird with Gobert and Favors but I think you know one more quality big would be good for them because if you can ever get in a spot where one of those two guys is out or they both are in foul trouble or something like that, I think you could really make do some damage against them. But and again, another team that's gotten a little more expensive as you know, you've paid Gobert and then you've got favors and Ingles got paid and Rubio, you know, still on the books for decent money. But then they, you know, talk about knocking it out of the park with these, you know, fines at the, you know, back end of the roster, Royce O'Neal, minimum contract guy, uh, George Niang, a guy who's actually played some rotation minutes and looked pretty good for them. Grayson Allen, it's body as a rookie, but coming up and then obviously Donovan Mitchell on his rookie scale contract, only three million and three and a half million next year. That's one of the biggest steals you can find. Again, rookie scale contracts, best value in basketball if they pay off. So, so Pete, are you right now? We just said it. They're seventh in the West. Right. Where do you think Utah finishes at the end of the season? See, I had them higher. I had them in the three four range, and and I thought that's just because of of their defense and just what Donovan Mitchell brings. And I think now, because of the strength of schedule, I think that was the biggest, the the hardest thing to get past. Um, beginning of the season, but I feel like in in the month of January, obviously now they they're basically ranking fifth in three points made and attempted. So adding a guy like Kyle Korver has really helped. Um, yeah, being able to space the floor, and then you've got guys like you just mentioned, Russ O'Neill can come in defensively with his versatility and help. Now Ricky Rubio on on both sides of the ball because he's shown to be a capable scorer. Um, not just being able to um, <clears throat> defend. And then with Donovan Mitchell, I mean, it's just getting better and better and better. Winning, what, nine out of their last 12, I think it is? Yeah, it's something um, like that. And, you know, Mitchell basically averaging almost 30 points um, and shooting extremely well from, you know, the three-point land, almost 43%. So I think that... You know, people kind of question whether this can withstand because Gobert had, you know, a little bit of freak injury last season and and just the being able to stay healthy and it's a kind of system to play in. Can it maintain come playoff time? I think it can because if they match up against, say, they they do play, you know, Portland, who we just mentioned, or an OKC um, or San Antonio, I think all of those teams are beatable for Utah. It's when you're playing a team like Houston or Golden State, you know, those are the teams that are gonna gonna be hard. But I, I do feel like there's a lot of upside here with you know Utah going up in the standings. The one thing I, I would look for, I know they talked about previous with Derek Favors possibly being 
a trade chip. Do you guys think that that he's somebody that might get moved at the deadline? Yeah, so here's the thing with Favors. He's a, he's a de facto expiring contract. 16.9 is his number this year. He's got 16.9, but it's fully non-guaranteed mm-hmm. next season. So, Con, I got to believe that's that's a pretty popular piece out there because of the big number and the fact that it's really an expiring contract. Yeah, I mean, Derek Favors, I think that contract, I was just looking at Mike Conley for, to Utah because I think that would be really fun. Um, he would fit right into their system and can play on and off the ball. So like a Derek Favors and Dante Exum almost get you there. Maybe like a Tabo also. I don't know if that's like something Utah would want to do. Does, I think that does get yeah, you that there. Does get does. there. Yeah, that does get you there. I actually ran that yeah. funny thing. I ran that through the great thing like a couple of days ago. Just it it does get you there. And like Conley's really good still. I know last week we talked about this and I was on the Conley train a little bit. Um, and that's a game changer, honestly. Uh, so Favors can get you those types of pieces. I mean, favorites for Jabari is something that was like kind of tossed out there. I don't know if Utah wants to do that. Yeah, because no uh, one's even... going to rest until the Mormon Jabari Parker is part of the draft. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the, I mean, even the number one defense is going to struggle to, you know, hide Jabari. Um, but I, and it's funny, you know, I I, I don't want to be insulting, but I think the Jazz fans might say, yeah, he's a Mormon, but keep him. We'd, we'd rather win uh, that's <laughs> games, you know, that's uh, right. you know, that's great. Hey, I want to, before we move off it, but I kind of, you know, if you're going to move favors in a deal, you got to get a big back. But what if you expand it and you throw favors and Exum for, favors Exum and Tabo for Conley and Jamichael Green? Like, I think there you're, you, you have to get a big back somehow, mm-hmm. you know, or you got to go to another team to, to get another big, um, that could, you know, be, that, that would be, that's something right there. Yeah. I like, I like that green as a backup. Cause I think he fits versatility wise very well. Um, even if he kind of slots in and out, kind of trading starting spots with Jay Crowder, um, at the four. Yeah, they, um, yeah, yeah you play the bigger teams, you play green, you play right. the, the smaller teams. I actually the, like that. Yeah. 4-0. Yeah, I, I think that could make make some sense. And it's it, it, it's one of those things too, like Utah taking on Conley's big contract. That's not as big a deal because they're not a free agent destination. You know, so um yeah, I I, I like that one. That is you know, Conley, that, that's a good one. I like I like that idea. Thank you. <laughs> um also donovan mitchell, Lindsay and, uh, donovan mitchell is averaging over 30 points um in his last eight games and i one of my thoughts in the beginning of the season was like i really hope this regression to the mean isn't a thing for donovan mitchell and that the mean is higher than he already is um and it's looking that way and i just can't wait to see that uh the yellow to black gradient uh on the playoff screens again because that's a good awesome sight to see you know, as, as I say with uh, the, the people who are freaking out about when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have struggles, it's almost like young guys aren't perfect and occasionally go through some up and ups and downs. You know, it's Celtics, almost like that's a thing. With the yeah. Celtics, I was saying worrying about the Celtics now is like thinking the Raptors were a contender last year. And I got <laughs> I got, I got yeah. some uh, response from that. But yeah. they've turned it around. And the I'm Raptors sure Toronto fans loved that one. Right? <laughs> hey, I mean, I love them this year. So. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they were completely rational. And yeah, if he, if he, for what it's worth is you you said I was with you on Utah at the start of the year. I had him third behind Golden State and Houston. I thought that they they would really make that that jump up there. So I had him at 55 wins. I don't. They're probably not getting to that level. Right. Um, you know that would involve you know a really ridiculous finish down the stretch. But I do think, you know, they're, they're, they are, you know, fully back in this thing. And I think, uh, you know, they're they're again another team. They get home court. 
home court advantage, that's a really tough place to play. And I think they can really make life miserable. And one thing I want to close on with the Jazz is a lot of people, I think, um, I think people just, we, we get bored of the same thing all the time. So I think people are kind of like Rudy Gobert again, like for defensive player of the year. Why, why do you have Rudy Gobert as an all-star? You have seen some of that talk. Rudy Gobert has been dominant on defense like he is he's he's just as good as he's ever been you know and it's really you know he's just ridiculous it's one of those things where yeah it's fun to talk about all these other guys as options because because we do we get get a little bored right and you start looking for reasons to look for something different but you know let's not overlook just how good that guy has been and you know just you know what, what a strong season he's you know continuing to put in for for the jazz all right last team in the division the minnesota timberwolves they're the only team in the division with a losing record they're 24 and 25 and that's only because they lost the other night uh, but they're six and four in their last 10 and i would say they have hung in there better than anyone ever could have expected after the jimmy butler trade especially when you consider they haven't got much out of robert covington because he's been hurt and you know that that's really tough and this team doesn't have a lot of depth they are you know super flawed uh jeff teague is hurt right now he's been out for you know in and out derrick rose in and out of the lineup still and you know he's not an all-star but rose is turning in a really good season it's really tough for for minnesota though to see they, they've got to get and stay healthy if they're going to make up this ground as i said 24 and 25 they're 11th they're three games behind the clippers right now at the bottom of the playoffs i see no reason why they can't kind of stay in the mix all the rest of the way but right around a 500 record everything i'm looking at con tells me that's what the numbers are going to tell us to the advanced numbers that they're basically a 500 team. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're 16th in net at plus 0.5 uh, points per possession on offense is 110.7. Uh, they're 14th in the league there and 17th on defense. And I actually split the season up too for the Wolves into Thibodeau and Ryan Saunders. Okay. And it's insanely similar. Uh, they're seventh. <laughs> They were 17th in net with Thibodeau, and they're also 17th in net with Ryan Saunders. They've only they've played nine games with um, Ryan, Mr. Saunders there. <laughs> and then <laughs> there's 13th in offense uh, with the new coach, and then 13th in offense with Tibbs, and 16th in defense with uh, the new coach, and then 17th with Tibbs. So, like, it's basically the same. The only thing that's different is like they got to the line more with Jimmy Butler there, which makes sense because he's one of the better uh, guys in the league at doing that. But it struck me as odd that basically it's the same statistical profile around the board across the yeah. board. My my guess is it's the it's the same roster, right? And it's all. all I should have checked pre Jimmy and post Jimmy. <laughs> I just thought maybe like the coach uh, changing changing would make a bigger difference just because of the whole vibe that Tibbs brought around the organization and the players and stuff. But um, so far, it's only been nine games, but so far it hasn't really changed. Yeah, I think it's almost more interesting that it's this way. Um, yeah, you know, to to do this look because it's. The same problems they had under Tibbs, they've still got those same problems now. The roster didn't change enough, and you know Ryan Saunders, I think, is a good young coach who I think can can you know be a you know quality NBA head coach. I just think it's you know it's again it kind of go back to it. They kind of are what they are, and you know it's there. Um, you know for what it's worth to to go on the record, I did not pick Carl Anthony Towns as an All Star this year, and a lot of people jumped all over that and hated on it. I like to factor in team success. 
Um, yeah. Unless a guy's been, you know, completely ridiculous. Like a lot of people are like, well, Anthony Davis team stinks. Yeah. Well, Anthony Davis is putting up, you know, historic level numbers and, you know, probably could have started the all-star game. He, you know, might still be first team all NBA and, you know, all those kind of things. So, you know, if you're putting up crazy numbers like that, you're, you're an all-star for me and Towns' numbers are great, but just, you know, I've got them on the outside looking in and, you know, and it's, it's, it continues Pete, I think to be, Got to be one of the most frustrating things in all of basketball that Andrew Wiggins will go out there and there's times when you're like, holy crap, he's got it. Like, this is it. He's going to be the guy we all wanted him to be. And then he goes missing for the rest of the week. Yeah, that's the thing. Just the inconsistency. When he tries to get to the rim and is aggressive, we see that, you know, basically what the last game that they played, 12 shots at the rim. And I just, I feel like, that's what he needs to do. Try to get, stop settling for, for jumpers that, you know, are tough shots or just not really kind of getting his feet set to shoot. And I I just, I don't know with Wiggins. It's kind of like you, you locked yourself into a guy that, okay, maybe the potential is there, but then it could be potential of he never makes an all-star team. You know, he hovers around the 17 to 21 points per game mark. And that's all you really get is a, is a string of, you know, six, seven games where it's like, wow, this guy is phenomenal. And then you get 10 games where it's like, what, what did Minnesota do here? Like, why did they do this deal? Yeah. Um, to, to one, one thing on Wiggins to, you know, kind of <laughs> put, put my stamp on where I feel about it. So you guys know, I wrote the 10 least tradable contracts for Yahoo sports. You can go check that out. Uh, Wiggins. I had him third on the list and the only two above them, John wall, which I think is clearly the worst deal in the NBA, Kevin love. And then I had Wiggins next. And this is the line I wrote for 23 year old to be on this list. You know, something had to go horribly wrong. Generally that would mean a catastrophic injury Wiggins. He's just not worth anything close to a max deal. That's that. That's what it is. That's the reality. He is just, that's, what he is, he's not he's not a max guy. And the fact that next season, as you look at it, the Timberwolves are going to go into next year with Wiggins on the books for 27.5. Towns extension kicks in. That is a worthy max contract at over yeah. $27 million. Gorgie Jang at 16. Jeff Teague at 19 because there's no way he's turning down that player option. This is a team that is completely capped out. They're in danger of maybe being a luxury tax team because of the way th- things you know look moving forward and that's just not it's not okay you can't be there to be a you know 500 team and i don't no one's bailing them out of this wiggins deal no one's gonna no one's no. gonna trade for this guy without them taking back you know somebody else's problem money on the back end no and then you look at uh, you brought up towns you had him right outside of the um you know, basically being an all-star and I went the reverse. I barely put him on. I put him over LaMarcus Aldridge, um, for the, basically for a wild card spot. Um, I, I feel like with towns, obviously, you know, we know, um, where'd my stat go? He, um, per, uh, per 36 minutes without Jeff Teague and Derek Rose on the floor, 28 and a half points, 15 rebounds, almost six assists and two and a half blocks. And that's, you know, per the 253 minute sample. But I feel like there's also times to where he disappears, like just the, I don't know. It's kind of like Andrew Wiggins where it's like, all right, are you going to be aggressive this game? You've got to bring it every single night. 
And yeah, every once in a while, you're right. He does. He's he's not there. Yeah. But on the other side of it, I feel like just just being dominant. I feel like as dominant as he's been, I I gave him the slight edge to get in. Um, but I just don't like Minnesota, and, and I don't want to crap on on you know a team fully because, I mean, I I think that once they get Covington back, you know, as far as a defensive standpoint, I think it'll improve there. Not that he's a world changer, but I feel like you know Dario Saric has been up and down since he's he's come there. Derrick Rose has been a bright spot this season. I think everybody can agree with that. But can we just please stop with Derrick Rose? Should be an all star. <laughs> like everybody was like, well. What happened here? He he was supposed to be an all star. Like the fans voted for him. Like keep in mind that that's fifty percent of the vote. But at the same time, like, do we really want to see Derrick Rose like start an all star game? As much as we're trying to be, you know, happy for him that he's had a resurgent season. I just I wasn't all that excited about him potentially starting. But that's just me. Um, yeah, no, he, there's no way he should, he's definitely not going to start over Harden and Curry. I mean, that's no brainer that those are your two backcourt guys. I want to touch on, you mentioned Dario Saric has struggled. I think one of the problems with him is he's had to play a lot of the three right. in Minnesota because, you know, they're playing, uh, Jang and Tolliver coming off the bench. So that kind of mm-hmm. slots Saric in at the three and that's not you know, that's, it's not his game. You know, I, I would, what I would honestly like to see them do if they fall out is let, let's say the next week goes really poorly for them. And they're now six, seven games out of a playoff spot. I'd like to see them move on from Taj Gibson. Cause I think he's a guy that you could get a decent asset for, you know, as a big, who's, who's good and got a tradable deal and then plug Sharch and next to towns and see, you know, can you build that going forward? Cause that's your best bet. You know, if, if you can make that work the way Philly made it work, all right, now now you've got a couple pieces there and you can start to, you know, figure things in and, you know, really kind of make them work and get Covington back and, you know, now now you're now you're heading into the 2019-20 season. I think with a little bit more plan of of who you are just because I think I think it's just just some struggles. Con, Con I wanted to flip over to you real fast. Is there any there there's just there's not really tradable pieces on this team either, right? Well, it's it's tough because they already made their moves yeah. um and just to quickly on Sarge, i want to say there's a mold for how to use Sarge already and it's called pelicans miritich or sacramento kings uh bielita i think that's the kind of playing style that he needs to play in but or anyway, even or even Sarge philadelphia last <laughs> yeah, philadelphia Sarge is another yeah. good one yeah. um bayless i think no bayless not i'm sorry not bayless uh please tell I mean, me you meant Tyus Jones. he's got a movable contract but you know, yeah yeah but you know, I mean, as an expiring deal, I don't know. Yeah. The thing is, so many, we look at expiring deals as positives usually, but there's just a lot of cap room next year and a lot of teams that want to use that cap room. Yeah. So expirings are tough to move because the team moving them doesn't really want to move them or the team that you want to move it to already has enough room yeah. uh, and it doesn't really help them as much as it did in the past couple of years. Um, but Tolliver like and Gibson on the Lakers, like really helping them out. I think that that would be, you know, a guy who could really help them as another big, you know, if they, they wanted to go that direction, you, you know, know, I think it gives them a different look, but Taj Bayless and Tolliver. And if you add on like maybe a Tyus or a first or something, like, I don't know how much Memphis wants for Conley, but that's another thing that gets you to that number. Um, and that would be really interesting to have Conley on this team as well. Um, but in terms of other moves, like just those four, just those three deals 
that are expiring that get you up to like 25 30 million dollar contracts it gives you a lot of flexibility i mean if you want to go the other way and at the traded line you want to take on some long salary i'm sure you could stockpile some assets it's just that's not the direction that minnesota wants to go so yeah. it's it's going to be tough to improve the team uh, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, it's going to be tough to improve the team at the deadline. It's going to be tough to improve this team over the summer. I think, you know, I think you're kind of looking at more of the same. And it's, you know, if it, if you move on and Charge gets back and then you've got Covington and those guys kind of slot in a little bit better and, you know, Towns, you know, really kind of, you know, sees his potential through, I can see this team getting right back into the playoff picture in the west because you know they, they were right there last year with essentially the same uh type of roster you know we'll see so that, that's you know one of those you know kind of the the backside where, where you feel bad that the jimmy butler uh thing didn't work out but it's funny so you know when the butler stuff broke right at the start of last year i lowered minnesota big time i had them missing the playoffs and i had them you know, I only had them winning 30 games, and it's obviously not going to be quite that bad. Um, you know, they're they're going to be better. But I didn't I didn't think Memphis would fall apart quite as much as they have. But it's you know, I feel pretty good about the fact that I had them out of out of the playoffs. The fact that I had the Spurs missing it, let's you know skip that because yeah. obviously I yeah. should have just I should have just I, put my faith in the system. Uh, yeah, I I had Minnesota out and yeah. the Spurs out, and I had New Orleans in. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, and, and I don't feel bad about those picks on on my end. And I, you know, I thought thought New Orleans would get in. I thought the Lakers would be a clear playoff team. I think they still would be if LeBron was healthy. But, but yeah, so that that kind of wrap puts a bow on the the Northwest Division. It's you know, it's a really good division. You, you've got four teams. I know, you know, I kind of dumped on Oklahoma City and Portland a little bit, but that's not their regular season. That's more their long term. Uh, you know, into the playoff kind of kind of thoughts for me on them. But I think you know, Denver and Utah are really high on them, and then Minnesota. You know that. They're still making some noise. They're, they're kind of hanging in this thing. So, you know, I th- think we're, you know, kind of to the point where we're going to wrap this up on the Northwest Division. And, you know, we're going to get back at you next week. We're going to continue. We, we've still got the Southeast and Southwest Divisions to knock out. You know, we'll see if Southwest Division could look really, really different, you know, in, in, in a week from now when we record. Because we don't even know if Gasol and Conley will still be on that team or, you know, if the Grizzlies will have blown it up completely. Then the uh, maybe by the time we get around to the Southeast Division, a team in that division will have a winning record that that would be kind of nice to to go to because right now none of them do they are uh they're, they're all losing records the heat are the best team in the division at 23 and 24 so it's uh it, it ain't good in the southeast division so we'll we'll see you know which one we go to probably be the southeast first as we kind of alternate east west here and you know hopefully one of those teams miami or charlotte wins a handful of games here in the next week and pushes above 500 because that's gonna be a fun week bad. of basketball watching for us huh right <laughs> there you go. Yeah, lock, lock, lock in on these uh, super exciting teams and see, you know, where where it gets to and, and goes. Yeah, because those those teams are they're boring too. Team I like watching the most out of the whole division is the Hawks, and they stink. You know, so it's uh, you know I, I really, yeah, but I, I I have optimism that Kevin Herter is going to be a, a good player. And oh man, I did. I thought Trey Young was awesome last night too. Yeah, you know, against Portland, he played played great. I think I I'm really high on the Hawks' future. I think they they've you know. They've got a lot of guys that I really, really like. We'll we'll leave it at that. That we'll spend. Well, as as we like to say, we'll save it for the show, and we'll talk about it next week. So, Pete, close us out. Tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Pete Toll MBA. So it's P E T E T O A L MBA. All right, and Con, let everybody know where they can find you and what you got going on. 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Iconic, uh, spelled with my name, and then at the Benchmob NBA. Uh, also, that's the podcast uh, I host, and we do a lot of mock trade line episodes um, and bring on some guests too. We just had uh, Coles Wicker and Spencer uh, at Front Office High on Twitter um, to do like a draft pod. Um, and also an event we talked. I talked about this the past episode, so I'll be quick. Uh, links in the podcast description. Uh, it's going to be like a mock trade deadline live event in Boston, February twenty eighth on the Thursday. So if you're in the Boston area, hit me up on DMs if it's something that interests you. We're going to have uh, some media and NBA folks there too as well. Um, it's going to be a fun day long event of just talking basketball trade and negotiating with actual quote unquote uh, front offices, as in groups of people so yeah it's gonna be a fun time hit me up yeah no definitely an event sounds like a lot of fun you guys have some good stuff playing there and i will say um you know cole and spencer i would check out that uh that that uh, draft podcast that con just hit up those are two guys we will have on closer to the draft here so what we'll, we'll do is that's going to be something we'll after the trade deadline we'll kind of switch in a buyout season and then right after buyout season when it kind of is we're playing out the string as we're getting ready for the playoffs we'll start to uh, reprioritize here and start to look look a little bit at the draft as we're always have a eye on the future on the show and uh, spencer and cole are two guys who are dialed into the draft as anybody else um is out there in the world and you know check out their stuff over at the Stepian, uh, where both of them are working and writing and posting. They, they've got a lot of good stuff up. So, you know, check those guys out. But as for me, I am Keith Smith. You can find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. You can find my written work at Yahoo Sports, Celtics specific coverage for Celtics blog, and as well as Real GM. I'll have an updated projected cap space for 2019 out there at Real GM after the trade deadline, after everything resettles and we can really turn and look forward. And um, one thing we I didn't mention is you know we're a week and a half ish out from the trade deadline if something big breaks we will try to get together um at least two or three of us if we can all get together and discuss that trade and break it down in depth um as close to live as we can and get that you know instant analysis and reaction out for you and then we're all you know kind of clearing our decks a little bit on trade deadline day to make sure we're available you know if big stuff goes down and we'll we'll see i think we're all hoping for that because it makes it a lot more interesting and we we like to have a lot of fun with it so again thank you so much for listening to the nba front office show if you enjoy the show please head over to itunes and give us a five-star rating and review and tell a friend we're you know really trying to build this thing up um we've got a lot of you know cool exciting content coming all the way through the deadline and buyout season then we'll turn to the draft and off-season previews and when we do the off-season previews we will really dial in on one team at a time and really spend a lot of time talking about that one team and their free agents and who could be targets for them and all all that stuff you know as we really you know dive deep like we to do like we like to do here on the show so again thank you for listening to the NBA front office show and we will talk to you next time An ad from Dad. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Yeah. Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. Then you can save up for a, I don't know, really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. 
All right, let's pull up over here and drop a line. Are your feet wet? My feet are wet. Here's the drain plug. You put the plug in the drain, right? Ah, uh, it's on the dock. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Ah, Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.